Hello and welcome to Swanshead Podcast, episode number 72. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And Stark is dead. We balanced it out. I'm back. He's, he's gone. Do, do we need to put an arrow through your brain now, though? That's the there can, question. There can be only one, actually. I, know, I, I, I feel perfectly alive. I feel happy. I think I'll go for a walk. You're going to go sing? <laughs> I got better. I got better. It was a small plane. <laughs> All right. Well, first, before we go any further, shout out to our sponsors. Uh, thanks to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. And uh, a double thank you from our friends over at GoToMeeting. Uh, this summer, you and your team are probably going to be working from a lot of different locations, if you're wise and saved up your vacation time, you are. Uh, just because you aren't in the office, though, doesn't mean you can't get stuff done. No one wants to come back to the office have a pile of work waiting for them. So uh, you can still get stuff done, still get on your conference call, still make other people do their stuff using GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix. Uh, with This way you can meet your clients and colleagues from pretty much anywhere. We love GoToMeeting. We've talked about how we love GoToMeeting. We love it because it allows us to get out of the office and still get stuff done, especially if you have your iPad now with the onboard camera and LTE. From anywhere, you can create your own meeting. Just visit gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button. Uh, you can download it free and use it for 30 days if you use the promo code PODCAST. So again, visit gotomeeting.com, click on Try It Free, and use the promo code PODCAST. So, um, into some feedback. Ooh, more is, feedback. I love feedback. Thank you guys feedback. for feedback. feedback. It's more like a novel. So I'm going to try and get through this quickly. <laughs> uh, you remember last week we talked about technology in the Olympics. And we asked people from other regions what the Olympics are like for them. Well, Wayne from, uh, from over at uh, Trekmate went ahead and wrote back to us. Hi, guys. I thought I would drop you a line after your recent discussion about the London 2012 coverage or your lack thereof. Wink. Yeah, rub it in. Over here in jolly old England, we have got pretty much every base covered. The BBC always provides coverage for any Olympics, as well as the majority of big events of similar stature. We have four BBC channels here in the UK, of which two are providing coverage live through the whole day. At points, they may even get a third channel also providing coverage. As well as the channels, BBC provides an interactive service where they broadcast every event live, and you can choose to watch whichever you want. This is easily accessible. You just press the red button on your remote, and it's easy to navigate. It also provides full schedule for the events. The, on the BBC's on-demand service, you can also choose to watch some of the shows after the fact. All sports are provided with commentary on each service, and what's more, the commentators are all sports personalities themselves. And for the majority, they mainly only appear on the sports they have been associated with. So the so having these types of people calling the shots, they're providing much more insight than Joe Bloggs could. Or Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I found it interesting that when you said about commentators repeating themselves to get on the highlight reel. This is something that doesn't happen over here. The commentary is only repeated if they are later showing highlights or repeating the event. If highlights are being shown on the news or other shows, most of the time the clips are shown with no commentary at all. Which is pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, between events, they do provide interviews, but only ever with the athletes, previous athletes, or experts. No random celebrities here, for the most part. Our coverage is very fair. If there is an event where we have one of our big athletes competing, it'll be broadcast on BBC One. But other than that, all events, no matter what country is competing, is given an equal amount of love and attention. This treatment isn't something specific to the London Olympics, as this level of coverage was exactly the same at the previous Olympics, as well as the Winter Olympics, which we are absolutely crap at. Hope this an helps answer some of your questions. Keep the fantastic work. Much love, Wayne. Wayne, thank you for uh, clearing that up. I don't think any of us would have ever known. I mean, none of us yeah. are from England. And That's cool to know that, 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 it, that we're the... I mean, it's good to know that not everyone's in our, our same boat. So, Well, you know, I should point out, too, that the BBC is... Um, it's the state-run TV. Yeah. It's their version of public broadcasting. It's socialist TV. Is that politically correct to say? Probably not, but you know, hooray <laughs> for socialism. See, it gets TV done right. <laughs> I, I think the biggest 
indication. I, I'm pretty that, sure I just squirted blood out of my ears when I heard you say that. <laughs> just saying. Socialist TV, better than socialist healthcare, right? Um, <laughs> no, I, I think the biggest indicator that something is seriously wrong with the American Olympics is when I was watching it uh, a few days ago, and Ryan Seacrest takes time and walks over to this huge big screen that's labeled Panasonic, so we all know exactly who provided the big screen, to tell us how many people are tweeting about Gabby or Michael Phelps, or that Michael Phelps is the most tweeted about athlete ever. And he's going on for like 15 minutes about what people are tweeting. And I'm thinking, 15 minutes. Some races could have been entirely done by now. You yeah. could have been showing any other event. Ryan Seacrest talking is not an Olympic event. Show because we all lose. Event or show me <laughs> fencing or something. Yeah. So, um, yay for socialist TV, boo with NBC. And it should be noted, um, it was just commented on here that in in an alternate world or whatnot, I I don't know how we want to handle it, but um, it was com- the comment was made uh, by our contributor Doctor Squishy that Socialist TV gave us Doctor Who and Top Gear, and Capitalist TV gave us Jersey Shore. To that, I say touche. <laughs> yes, we've seen the enemy, and it is us. Okay, um, into important events this last week. Uh, I think one of the coolest, and I put it up at the top of our headline list, uh, was the Curiosity rover landing on Mars. Oh, definitely awesome. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, that, that's pretty epic. It, it is epic. Unfortunately, our technology is not yet to the point where we were able to actually watch footage of it landing. That would be kind of cool. You know, we all remember footage of um, Apollo 11 landing on the moon and taking back off. We're not quite to that point with our um, rovers on Mars. But uh, basically, this is something the size of a Mini Cooper or a Volkswagen Beetle that they shot into space and eight months later said, okay, you're going to land now. And it said, okay, you've programmed me to do this entirely autonomously. Uh, we, it's been our favorite on weeks before. It, just this huge Rude Goldberg machine style landing apparatus that it decided to do. Transformer Rube Goldberg. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. It all freaking worked. And I, they, they kept mentioning the whole time that, you know, a million things could go wrong, and if one thing is just slightly wrong, the whole mission could go to crap, and they pulled it off. And one of the big reasons why this is so important is because Mars has kind of been jinxed. I mean, how many probes have we lost? How many landers have we lost to Mars? Twelve? No, more like 20-something. One of them them we programmed it in meters, in metric, and the people who were operating it were reading Imperial, and they crashed it right into the side of the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them, it just lost contact. One of them, the lander and the... uh, the probe crashed into each other on the separation. It's difficult to do. Yeah. But this is just super cool. In fact, it, it's also, I believe, one of the first rovers that's up there with a high-definition camera, and they've already been releasing um, HD panoramas of Mars' surface. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. And, you know, NASA deserves tons of credit for being able to pull this off. I mean, every time you look, they're getting their budget slashed. Mm -hmm. And yet, with their slashed budget, they're still able to do something like this. It's just, they really deserve a lot of credit, especially Mohawk Guy. Yeah, Mohawk Guy was quite cool. What what I think is really cool is the next day, they they started testing their new uh, methane-propelled self-leveling rocket. The thing basically can take off and keep itself level and fly around at a hover. It just holds altitude, running on methane. The reason that's important, the idea is that they'll be able to launch it into space, link up with the ISS, take on board the methane that the astronauts are putting off as a waste product, and use that to refuel the thing to continue on to further missions. The day after that... They did the wind tunnel test on a new airplane design that they're hoping will come out in like a decade or so. It's a combination of fuselage and flying wing that cuts uh, energy, uh, cuts fuel needs by like 30%. 
and I wonder why don't we have like a NASA based reality show going on? Totally, because we're cursed <laughs> with Snooky. Oh, gee. I'm uh, telling you, if they did that, you remember when uh, Discovery Channel did um, uh, that special on Black Sky? They, it was a mini documentary on Burt Bertan and uh, and Spaceship One. Vaguely, uh, I, I don't remember it. Sorry, I'm a well, fail. Let's put it this way: if it hadn't been for that special, most people wouldn't have known that the X Prize had been won. I'm telling you, they should just do Discovery Channel should do a, a reality show on NASA. They they really should, and so I'm honestly actually kind of surprised that they haven't yet. Well, you know, we have NASA TV, but it's quite boring because it's run by the NASA engineers. They need actual entertainment producers doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, NASA and the media didn't all have smiles with each other. Um, they, NASA put the video of the engineers landing Curiosity up on YouTube, and it just garnered huge amounts of hits. Well, as it turns out, NASA doesn't copyright any of their videos on YouTube, and someone else came in with a phony DMCA takedown notice stating that NASA had uploaded their copyrighted material. Oh, That's boy. Garbage. It's like this crowning um, uh, achievement in human history, and we're going to take it down because we're trolls. Yeah, 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 you can't even call them, call them copyright trolls because the copyright doesn't even belong to anyone. It doesn't even belong to NASA. It's just... It's, it's free... It's yeah. It's public domain. That's the word I was thinking of. <laughs> so I, I don't know if YouTube has fixed it by now. I know they were working on it, but um, just absolute mess. So, um, actually, on that subject, all these uh, headlines kind of all segue nicely into each other. Uh, a Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, I believe I'm reading that right. Um, has come out and stated that embedding a video is not copyright infringement. Cool. You know, I'm not really sure how this works because I thought that was specifically what Pippa and Sopa said it was. Well, well I we guess there's a difference between embedding something and then hosting it. Because if so, say for instance, um, Vivo puts up a music video um, on their on their website, and and I want to share it with people. If I download that music video, host it myself, and and share it on my website, that's copyright infringement. But if I'm embedding it, I, I get the sense that, that, that their argument here is that if you're embedding it and you're actually linking to where the content is hosted, that that's not a violation. Um, well, then who's in violation? Because you know they're going to come after someone. Yeah, and, are they going to go after YouTube again? They have, yeah, oh. they well, yeah. That's been the problem in the past. Is there's there's no clear indication of what's copyright and what's not. So uh, I, I like this explanation, and I, I don't, I don't think there's ever going to be an explanation that everyone's happy with. Unfortunately, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that we're just going to see crap get taken down, and I mean lawsuits and. All this, all this nonsense that we've been dealing with for the last few years, I, I don't see it going anywhere. It's, it's going to keep happening, and it's just, it's getting old. It's really getting old. Yeah. Um, in interesting news, something that we could not have predicted. I mean, I know a lot of our predictions from December have come true or close to true. This one, entirely out of left field. Um, Huawei. Um, Huawei has oh, we been talked about them in a while. We haven't talked about them in a while, but they're actually currently working with uh, with the GCHQ, um, basically uh, the British cybersecurity groups, uh, part of the actual like MI6 and whatnot. Accusations have come out that the head of Huawei, who used to work in China's uh, intelligence division that they're actually trying to infiltrate Western powers with all their electronics. Well, didn't we see something a few months ago that basically said just that? That that they've got ties to, like, international espionage groups or something, and they're trying to, I don't know, screw over the West? Uh, am I remembering that right? Are we talking about, like, um, uh, economically, or...? No, like, just they were they were trying to 
to um, spy on spy on the West. I I believe. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I. I thought that I remembered discussing something like that in the show notes, or in the show a, a while back. I don't remember. I don't know. I, uh, the Brits are particularly worried because well, the Brits are more worried than than we are about most things, and usually with good reason. Um, we're, we're typically pretty... We keep ourselves blissfully ignorant when it comes to these things. However, um, Huawei has access into a lot of the British network um, they're much tighter integrated over there and given its close ties to the Chinese intelligence agency and the People's Liberation Army they don't <laughs> necessarily like that well I can't really blame them whereas here in America we don't really care so long as the phones have a good warranty and are pretty cheap <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what's yeah, I, wrong I with us <laughs> I realize that they may have killed a bunch of people but look I can get the phone free on contract I just can't do that with another phone that's just a good point. We messed up. <laughs> we, we have some problems. I, I, yeah, we have issues. Well, ninety-nine issues and Huawei ain't one. Um, that didn't work. <laughs> wow. I don't even know that song. I was just trying to be hip. <laughs> when are you gonna learn? We are not hip. You know, actually, this we have a lot of UK news coming out this week. It's uh, our also, Happy Super UK Fun Time Show. Oh, that's not going to be the title. That's far too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've already forgotten what, I've had, what you said. Yeah, I don't um, remember either. Yahoo is being sued by... Um, and this is from a, from a UK news site, but the guy who's doing it is in San Jose, California. Uh, he's suing them for losing security to his eBay account, which uses the same password as his Voices account from Yahoo. So he is suing Yahoo because Yahoo allowed a breach, which then led to more breaches. And in fact, we're going to talk about this in our talking point. I'm not really sure you have any right to that. I mean, he's saying that Yahoo didn't protectly, uh, didn't correctly protect uh, his privacy or anyone else's. Uh, it was a came to light that a hacker used a SQL injection code to uh, pull out, I think, like 450,000 passwords. And uh, on that note, yeah, maybe Yahoo should have known better, but I'm not really sure you can go after someone. I mean, what, what do you guys think? Isn't it kind of like if you give your password, if you sign up for a service, you're signing up to know that potentially you could get hacked. You could lose this stuff. Well, I, I think so, but I think that companies have a uh have a responsibility to do everything in their power to prevent that from happening. That being said, sometimes you just can't. Sometimes crap's going to happen, and it's going to happen whether you do everything you can to prevent it or not. Because some script kid is going to find some exploit and have his way with your servers. Yeah. yeah it's that kind of that old adage, you know, no matter how you make the perfect mouse trap, the mouse will figure it out. You make something idiot-proof, we'll make better idiots. It, it's this war of attrition when it comes to security. You make something unhackable, uncrackable, they're going to find a way. You're going to find. You're going to make DRM that's unbreakable. They're going to break it. Yeah. It, I mean, that being said, SQL injection is kind of. I mean, that's like old school. That's like leaving the front door open almost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I just... That's <laughs> embarrassing. But I'm not really sure... I don't know if he can sue them. Maybe he can at least get some compensation for what he might have lost on eBay. But but we'll get into that in our talking point. Um, also, from a UK news site, and actually this is from Amazon UK as well, uh, they have stated now that their ebook sales have now overtaken their actual paper book sales. Mm-hmm. I thought that kind of... Happened a while ago. Well, maybe this is just now happening in the UK. But for every hundred hardback ah. paperback backs, they're selling 114 ebooks. So ebooks are literally at 114 percent of actual physical media. They're calling it a reading renaissance. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta admit that I was kind of, 
I, I was kind of um, reluctant to jump on the whole ebook thing, um, but I installed the oh, what was it? The Kindle app. I put the Kindle app on my phone, and I started reading uh, something on it. And I, I think I'm sold on it. There's no point for paper books anymore in my mind. No, yeah. You know? I've kind of gone in the way of the ebook as well. And See, and I still don't like ebooks, but I can't deny how easy it is to get more books. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the past, if I wanted... I mean, I, I had three or four shelves full of sci-fi books and comics... But now I can have them all on my phone, and even even when I get a new phone, they all transfer over. I mean, it. How cool is that? I don't have to worry about physically transferring any any books. Yeah, yeah and that, you don't I mean, you don't need to worry about shelves and shelves, and you know. I, I like the shelves. Well, you know, I do too. And there is something to be said for sitting down with a nice book by the fire or whatever the case may be. But I, I kind of, I'm kind of sold on the ebook. Yeah, it is the future, for better or for worse. It is the present. We are the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, into someone who will not be part of that future, Iran. Iran is sick and tired of our cyber attacks, so they are taking their ball and they are going home. Uh, they so have they decided. Stay? They have decided to completely cut the country off from the internet just to avoid more cyber attacks. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's, a good, that's one I, way to avoid it. I, I don't know how that's a bad thing for uh, for the world, you know, for Iranians, that kind of sucks hard, but... You're going to have their well, own internet. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we talked about this a few months ago. They were actually talking about developing their own internet. Part of me thinks that, yeah, it might be legitimate. They might just be tired of being hacked. Part of me also wonders, though, because remember, they had a lot of dissidents that are fighting a civil war in there. Nothing like Libya or Syria or Egypt, but still, I mean, a very vocal second party. This could also be the government's way to try and silence them. Hmm. Because if no one knows what's happening inside a country, they can do whatever they want in there. And if no word is getting in or out through the internet, then no one knows what's happening in the country. I mean, it's like it's like Eastern Germany or the USSR back in the day. Yeah, it's 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 potentially very bad, very bad. Now, not to sound cruel or uncaring, do we care? Because there's not really anything that any other country can do to force them to keep the internet open. That's not exactly a that's not a human right that the UN can come in and say is being infringed upon. I don't know. Some of the stuff that they're saying are human rights nowadays. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't That's, be surprised. It's true. I, and I actually believe we talked about maybe a year ago, they were saying that basic Internet access is a human right. It's a communication right. Yeah, yeah I remember talking the ability about that. Yeah. To, yeah, it was a while ago. I don't know if that ever actually got ratified. Not that the Iran is particularly in tight with the UN anyway, but... No. That's kind of the same idea with how a library is is kind of like a, a, a public right, you know. In the same way a library was a public right 20 years ago, now the Internet is now. I mean, it it's, makes sense to me. Yeah. But is a library a public right? I think so. The, okay. Access I, I'm to just, information. I'm just asking. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, some people may differ. I don't know. I've never stopped to think about it, but... Yeah. In a bit of uh, corporate WTF, uh, Acer, uh, Acer CEO, is warning Microsoft to think very carefully about releasing the Microsoft uh, Surface. The Surface, of course, is their tablet they announced uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, Acer makes many different computer uh, peripherals and whatnot, including their own tablets. So, are we seeing threats of potential lawsuits here? Is that what I'm gathering? They don't have a lawsuit to stand on. His actual quote is, think twice. It'll create a huge <laughs> negative impact for the ecosystem, and other brands may take a negative reaction. Uh, it's not something you are good at, so please think twice. He's basically saying, I can't fight against you, 
I don't want to, will lose. Don't do this. It'll kill the industry. <laughs> but, you know, that that's what competition is. If you come out with, with something that other people can't compete with, isn't that kind of the goal of... I mean... That's that's the very essence of being in business. You want to do something that nobody else can do because then you'll have a corner on the market. Yeah. Well, and see, the thing is, is that fair. <laughs> when it comes to manufacturers, you know, I don't think Acer really counts as an OEM per se. I mean, it's not one of the big ones. It's not like Dell or HP. But if you're going to buy a tablet, you buy an Asus, right? If yeah. you can't afford an Asus, you buy an Acer. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. If you can't afford an Acer, you go to eBay and get a Chinese knockoff. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, now we have another one. If you want a tablet, you get a Microsoft or an Asus. Yep. And if you don't want either of those, maybe then you get an Acer. It knocks them one peg down. Yeah, that's true. But I I find it really interesting that uh, that he'd actually come out and and say that. I'm sorry. Guess what? Um, Acer is not as high up on the chain as Microsoft. You can't threaten them. (laughs) What? You can't? What? What? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I mean, really, if you read this quote, most of the time I see him referring to Microsoft, like with a capital M and a dollar sign. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Kind of what it seems like. You better not MS. Yeah. Well, at least he's a fan of his own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to each his own. Right? Um, in another uh, torrent site getting shut down, Demonoid, mm-hmm. who's been around for a long time... They're one of the been, big boys. ...has been raided by the cops. Yeah, um, the Ukrainian cops of all things. I mean, when I, when I think of, like, legitimate police organizations you know I never really stop and think hey Ukraine you know when I think of corrupt cops I think of like Russia Ukraine those countries maybe that's what movies have done to me but yeah they took demonoid down and interestingly enough it happened to be coincide with their prime minister or somebody's visit to the United States Mm -hmm. Um, I find that timing a bit suspicious but Whatever. I, I, there is something else at work here. I mean, because Demonoid has been over in the Ukraine for a long time. Ukrainian law does not ban torrents, and Demonoid had also gone to lengths to block all Ukrainian IPs so the local authorities wouldn't have anything to complain about. Yeah. Knowing how the things work in the Ukraine, it makes me wonder if they just crossed some mob boss in the wrong way. <laughs> Ooh, that would be cool. Well, not hey, for them, but... Uh, that's the only thing I can think They didn't pay hush money or whatnot, so they lost their their carte blanche protection. Makes that, sense. that could very well be. Should be a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> Probably is already. Just gotta look deep in there. <laughs> um, and of course, because they can't keep their mouth shut about anything that may or may not even involve them, Anonymous has sworn to avenge Demonoid by reviving it. <laughs> I'm not really sure that's the definition of avenge. I think if they were going to avenge, they should be killing Ukrainian law enforcement, which we're not condoning. Well, or yeah, or suggesting. Or, or suggesting or anything like that, but at least they could use the right word, you know? Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because um, they've already gotten all sorts of revenge on Ukrainian um, websites, uh, they've launched a bunch of uh, distributed denial of service attacks, taking down a bunch of government websites over in the Ukraine. So, um, you know, it's script kitties are good for something, I guess. I just wish that they were doing something more productive. Well, it's not like it's hard to take down anything in the Ukraine. I mean, they're all behind a they're all behind a Linksys firewall that they got at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably like a Link Seuss. Link Seuss. <laughs> since it's, uh, oh, since wow. it's not American and all, you know, it's it's got to be the knockoff. All right. Um. And uh, Blizzard, your friend and mine, Blizzard Entertainment, has been hacked. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I'm honestly surprised it took this long. Well, well, I'm not because it's not like the game.
game servers were hacked. It was their internal network. Still, I'm surprised it took so long. Yeah, uh, they don't believe any information like uh, credit cards or billing addresses or personal names or anything were compromised, um, and probably not. If anything, I'll bet you someone was getting in there trying to see what else is on Blizzard's servers. Yeah, they Maybe trying to revive StarCraft Ghost or something. There, there were passwords and whatnot taken, but thankfully Blizzard is smart enough to not leave it in plain text. They took the passwords, but they took the fake passwords. Yeah, they they Slackers. got all the they got all the encrypted passwords and so and I guess the man or the encryption that Blizzard uses uh they need to decrypt each one individually and yeah, it's it's looking pretty safe, but you still might want to change your password. Most definitely. I mean, with everything going on, and we'll talk more about this in our talk, where we're talking a lot about online services and everything, it should be time you change your passwords anyway. Or get uh, those password uh, locker services. Those are becoming increasingly popular this way. That's what I use. I love it. Uh, we might have to have you write up a guide on some of them, considering uh, I do not use them. I know nothing about them. They're smart. Yeah, that, and they also remind you sick. like to change your password like every six months or so. You can set different reminders, and yeah, yeah, they're they're very handy, very cool applications. If there's one thing you do differently, uh, just to kind of a public service announcement, announcement. If you if you do do anything differently about password security, the least you can do is use a different password on every site. Yeah, using the Which, same password on every site is is just asking for trouble. <laughs> like well, we're getting our head of ourselves there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, in a special uh, segment this week, Doctor Squishy is with us to talk about uh, some non-tech news. Since you know we're always accused of being a geek site that doesn't talk about all geek things, so take it away, Squishy. Squishy, who is on mute? <laughs> Wow, he pulled a he pulled a me. <laughs> He's still on mute. <laughs> Stolen droids, professionals now for three days. The mute button. Now. It's how we roll. There he is. Well, it's good to know that I enjoy it a little bit. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Squishy. Thought I'd join in a little bit since I'm out visiting the droids in the lovely land of Utah. Wanted to cover a little bit of comic book movie news that's happened in the last week. Some of these things are rumors, some are true. So, in our first story, it appears that Marvel might be acquiring some interesting properties. There was a rumor earlier this week that in exchange for allowing... uh, the license of Daredevil to stay where it is, Marvel would gain the ability to use Galactus and the character of the Silver Surfer in their own movies, possibly allowing Galactus to be a villain in Avengers 2 or 3 or something like that. The license on Daredevil is going to expire today. Haven't heard what officially happened, so we'll let you know more next week. And also news that's a surprise to, well, pretty much no one. Joss Whedon has been officially signed to both write and direct Avengers 2. Hooray! Sweet. Turns out, Joss, that all you need to do to guarantee your job is make a big studio a billion dollars. Who knew? Uh, in a sequel to a movie that no one thought would be good, X-Men The First Class is a very good movie from a couple years back. It's getting a sequel, which they've officially titled X-Men Days of Future Past which was a very good comic story and for no other reason than it gave Storm a really cool mohawk. So we'll see how that plays out in the movie. And my personal favorite Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston, has been cast as the main villain in the upcoming Thor sequel. Filming begins, I believe, later this year. Uh, Mr. Eccleston will play the King of the Dark Elves, essentially. There's more to it, but I don't really care that much. I just love Chris Eccleston, and I love to see him getting top-line villain work. And one more bit of story that is most certainly filed under the rumor category. Again, in the surprise to no one, DC is looking to make a Justice League movie. Right now, the guy they are leaning on as their main candidate is Ben Affleck to direct. Now, a few years ago, that might have sounded really silly. Then he directed The Town, which was fantastic. 
directed another movie called Argo that's coming out later this year that could very likely make Ben Affleck, yes, the guy from Reindeer Games, a two-time Academy Award winner. Looks to be an excellent movie. If he pulls down another statue, you can bet that a big studio is going to throw him some money. So, more news in the coming days and weeks about all of our favorite comic book news characters. Well, let me ask you this real quick, Squishy. Um... With the Marvel deal, um, Fox has come out and actually denied that they have any interest in keeping the rights to Daredevil, which, from everything I've heard, is a load of crap. But um, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's a you think that's a good move on Marvel's part? You think it's a a good move on Fox's part? What do, what do you think? Because I've got I my thoughts. Think- I, I think that either way, Marvel is a winner. If they get the license back to Daredevil, they can use Daredevil as an ancillary character in the Avengers sequel. They could use him as his own property. If done properly, they could make a great Daredevil movie. I actually like the original Dare, the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck, but I think that uh, they could do more with it. If they went for the deal somehow and they ended up getting Galactus and Silver Surfer, again, that's a huge win. With the tease of Thanos at the end of the Avengers movie, Galactus would fit perfectly in that type of a cosmic sort of thing. Even if you just used Silver Surfer as a small character in Avengers 2, teasing Galactus for Avengers 3, whatever. Um, Marvel really can do no wrong on this deal. Yeah, I that's kind of my thinking as well. And, you know, I, I look at um, Fox and I think when when people think of Fantastic Four, they think of Doctor Doom, they think of Galactus, and they think of Silver Surfer. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, for them to give up those properties, the, the rights to those characters, I think that's a huge mistake for them. I agree, because even though The Amazing Spider-Man this summer may be my least favorite comic book movie ever, it made them a ton of money. Even though Fantastic Four 2 was a pretty mediocre movie, it made a ton of money. As hot as comic book movies are right now, they could take some fairly well-known characters, and if for no other reason, make a good bit of money off of their movies. Exactly. So I don't, I don't know what they're doing right now. Yeah, and even though they're trying to get Ben Affleck to to direct Justice League, they still got a lot of work to do for a Justice League movie to come out. I don't see it happening. Well, you know, I, I think that they could pull it off. I have a theory for how they could actually do it the reverse way of what Marvel did. Marvel introduced the characters first and then segued into a team movie. I think where the Justice League characters are relatively unknown they could do a Justice League movie and then spin off the more popular characters into their own movies. If they have a breakout Mark Ruffalo kind of performance for a Wonder Woman, make a Wonder Woman movie or a new Green Lantern movie or something. So, use the Justice League movie as a way of introducing the Pantheon and then break it down from there. It also allows them to get their big movie lets them get their big movie out there first and then do the small story so they're not waiting ten years to play catch-up. Because if they were to try to copy the Marvel movie, Marvel model, it would be another seven to ten years before they could get a Justice League movie out, and their shareholders are not waiting that long. No, and they're they're wanting this done by 2015. They're wanting that the Justice League film to come out by 2015. So that's that's right. an interesting idea. I hadn't ever considered that. All right. Well, thank you very much, Doctor Squishy. Uh, We'll let you and Zoner talk more offline since you guys know more about this than the rest of us. In <laughs> Such the meantime, nerds, I love it. <laughs> In the meantime, we're going to take some commercials. We'll see you on the flip side. In today's world, it can be hard to find time to spend with a good book. That's where the guys at Open Book Audio can help. Open Book Audio offers a large selection of pre-recorded audiobooks for you to enjoy while driving to work, working out, or any other time you feel like enjoying a good story. Open Book Audio not only has pre-recorded audiobooks, but can also help you record your self-published book as well, giving authors another way to distribute their stories. Their fast professional service combined with affordable pricing ensure your book is made with the highest quality. So no matter if you're an author or a reader, Open Book Audio has what you need. You can visit them on the web at openbookaudio.com. 
That's openbookaudio.com. Open Book Audio. Your story out loud. Hello, and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast. Uh, Zook, wait, um, I can never remember when I can hear the Stolen Droids Podcast. Well, you can start out the week with us on trekradio.net every Monday at noon Eastern Standard. Okay, but what if I miss it on Monday? Well, then you can catch us Tuesday on kryptonradio.com, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Ooh, and if I miss it then too? Well, you can always find us on iTunes and play us anytime from your iPod or iPhone. Well, you know I don't own any Apple stuff. Okay, then you can stream us to your Android device from Stitcher.com, on demand whenever you want. Smeg. I don't have any room left on my Android. You can always listen to us at StolenDroids.com. Um, but... You're not <sighs> trying very hard at this, are you? Stolen Droids Podcast. It's kind of hard to avoid. We are back and right into our fast lane. Uh, Google has been ordered to pay $22.5 million in fines for, um, quote, misrepresenting internet privacy. Because, as everyone knows, once you put something on the internet, you're the only one who can ever see it. And Shaun of the Dead has been transformed into an arcade game. Now, fans of the movie can play as Shaun and Ed as they battle, battle in front of the Win- Winchester Tavern. Um, you got a red on you. And a new concept for online password verification would potentially stop hackers in their tracks by having you match pictures you like. Supposedly, this can also help find the next Dalai Lama. And Facebook has let its voice be heard in the case of users who were fired for liking the page of a candidate for sheriff. Their argument is that likes fall under free speech. If the judge agrees, your employer will have to find a different excuse to fire your unproductive butt. Maybe you should be working instead of browsing Facebook. All right. Uh, into our talking point, which we alluded to uh, earlier in the show, uh, it really came about because uh, I think, Zahner, you found a really interesting article about the Waz and his thoughts on the cloud. So why don't you go ahead and introduce this one? Well, okay. Yeah, Waz... Um for those who don't know, Steve Wozniak, he was one of the founders of Apple. I think he's done some jail time. I mean, the guy's got a very interesting past, but he tends to be fairly fairly up on tech, and he knows what he's talking about when he starts talking tech. And as such, people tend to listen. Well, he was um, doing a Q&A session the other day, and he said that dependence on the cloud is setting us up for horrible problems, quote-unquote horrible problems. Um, now, we talk a lot about the cloud here on the show, but for those of you who haven't been paying attention, it's basically a metaphor for using the web to access everything, whether it be online storage, applications, um, anything that you you have on the web, it's, it's the cloud. So... Um, but he's come out and he's, he says, uh, quote, I really worry about everything going to the cloud. I think it's going to be horrendous. I think that there are going to be a lot of horrible problems in the next five years. Uh, he goes on to say, with the cloud, you don't own anything. You've already signed it away by agreeing to the provider's terms of service. Um, that, there you have it. I mean, you don't own stuff. A server goes offline. I mean, we've seen this before with DRM servers. When they go offline, your music, it's unusable. You can't listen to it because you can't get the license for it. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of the talking point here. And it, it leads us into a whole new area of, of kind of security within the cloud, you know. Yeah, and this is – we have a, a pretty wide um, variety here. Schmitty, you are – you're a cloud lover, you know, I don't, that sounds very derogatory, but <laughs> <laughs> dirty sounds cloud lover. Dirty. <laughs> and he might be muted. Did we lose Schmitty? Schmitty died. Oh, I am muted. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it! Here we think another plane's landed on you. So Schmitty, Schmitty's a huge cloud lover. I'm wary of it myself. Stark is normally pretty wary on it, I believe. Yeah. I think so. It's the get-off-my-lawn mentality. I, I'm i somewhat wary of it, just and uh, for a lot of the same reasons that, that Waz d- 
doesn't like the cloud. I like to feel like I own something. You know, I yeah. When I buy something, I want something tangible. I don't want a license that's stored on some server somewhere telling me that I can or cannot use what I just dropped money on. Well, now, you're talking about the DRM side of the cloud, which is a problem. Well, I'm, I, I'm I don't talking, think there's anyone... I'm talking about all of it, though. You know, you buy, you buy an application or something, and you have to access the cloud. Like Steam, you, you, buy, a, you buy a Steam game, you don't have the game. It's a download. It's stored on the cloud. Steam goes out of business. You're screwed. Right. No, I hadn't even considered it that part. Yeah. I, 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 of course, used to have an iPhone, and the very first app I bought on it was a Wi-Fi sniffer. Uh, very handy in my line of work to be able to locate where I've placed different access points and how they're working. And the last time I tried to use it before I switched to Android, um, it no longer let me. And it's because the terms of service had changed in the iTunes store that that function was now against the terms of service that had been pulled from the App Store. And unlike other apps, it had also blocked my using it on the iPhone itself. Even though I paid for it and I still owned the license for it, I couldn't use it anymore. Well, I I think I mentioned here um, on the show, I had an issue with with my license actually expiring on Office 2010. And I had to get my license basically um, regenerated by Microsoft Tech Support. I could not install a legally purchased copy of the software because it said that my product key was invalid. Well, now, before we keep just ragging on it, because I think between you and I, we got that covered. <laughs> Schmitty, you use, how, explain this. How do you use the cloud? Why are you such a proponent of it? Well, I, I like the idea of the cloud having, having essentially unlimited space to stuff things. I'm, I'm a digital hoarder, and I, I like keeping all my pictures, videos, um, every file that I've ever downloaded, I, I keep... Um, to to a degree, anyway, um, and so I, I like the idea of keeping things online because uh, storage space is not only expensive, but it it takes a lot of power to keep up. You know, my power bill is is horrendous. <laughs> um, well, and, and 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 just to interrupt there too, I should mention that Schmitty lives in an area that's now seen two wildfires scare us. Uh, just this season. Yes. <laughs> and when he you evacuated last time, I messaged you saying, make sure you grab everything, all your family pictures and documents, to which you answered. I, well, yeah, they have, I have them all on my server, but I also have them backed up on three different backup services online. So even if I did lose my server, I've got them online. But then we run into the problem, what if we lose internet? What if we lose... What if those three backup services simultaneously go out of business? You know, so... It's kind of a it's a it's a touchy thing. So, I I trust the cloud as far as I trust the internet. You know, it's the cloud is there as long as the internet is there. And so, I, while I like the idea of the cloud, I'm also very cautious. Um, I don't put all my stake in Bitcoin or, or or Google Drive or Carbonite. I I keep a local copy of everything. And, and so, it's kind of like a dual dual mentality for me as far as it's seen. Now, my, my standpoint is that I personally like to network things because that's what I've always done. It's, it's my line of work. And I like being able to access my stuff from anywhere. But I don't like anyone else being able to access that, and that includes hosting companies, which is why typically instead of setting up things on the cloud, I just open up access to my home network to me. So instead of actually hosting things in the cloud or having someone else host it for me, I'm still doing my own hosting. I don't think that qualifies as cloud usage because I'm not it's your really own a cloud. I like I like having my own cloud. I like that. We'll we'll stick with that. I'm a very personal <laughs> cloud. Well, you know, and I actually uh, I just set up um, my Minecraft saved games to go to my Dropbox folder today. You know, I mean. There, there are a lot of really good benefits about the cloud. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing when you stop and think about the freedom and the convenience that it affords. Um, 
but you know there there's security risks but you know and, and like Schmidt said he trusts the cloud as far as he trusts the internet well I don't trust the internet I go into the internet knowing that the internet is full of people who want to steal my information and you know whatever the case may be and the same holds true with with your cloud you know if you're gonna if you're gonna put stuff out there you've got to do what you can to protect it you yeah, know like, yeah I, I know fully well that I, I mean I have all my family pictures and videos backed up on a on a couple services and I know fully well that anyone at any time could hack in and, and get those um, I'm I'm put you know I'm I'm accepting that that fate basically, and that's the kind of the step you have to take when you go into cloud computing or cloud storage is you have to accept the fact that at any time you are vulnerable vulnerable to someone getting that data and maybe even screwing with it or deleting it. So, yeah, it, it's a calculated risk. It is. You're, you're basically taking a calculated risk. And for instance, you know, I keep files on. It, on a cloud provider, I'm not going to say what because I don't want people to go out and find it and hack me and steal my stuff. But I keep stuff out there that you know a lot of people would say, "Hey, don't keep that there." But I keep it encrypted, and then I use you know the file itself is encrypted, and then and then the way to get to the contents of the file you've got to jump through a bunch of hoops and so I mean my wife absolutely hates it because she hates jumping through the hoops but I did what had to be done to protect my privacy basically uh, and before we get into the privacy issue further I think a lot of what the Waz is talking about is that it it's going to stifle us moving forward and this seems counterintuitive hey let's move all human knowledge and everything we have up onto the web what could be more you know what could be less stifling than that except for the fact that suddenly we're going to have a whole bunch of conflicting services conflicting standards everything's going to go every which way and we're going to get to the point where we're simply moving around all that human knowledge instead of expanding it moving it from one service to another backing it up onto two then three then Mm -hmm. four yeah um now, uh, one of the reasons that this has come up this week, too, is because uh, you may or may not have read uh, an old uh, Gizmodo writer, Matt Honan, he's still a tech writer, had his accounts hacked in a way that highlights a security vulnerability in the cloud. Uh, to, to really give you the Reader's Digest version, uh, he has an Amazon account, he has an eBay account, he has an Apple.me uh, account, he has a whole bunch of accounts like most people do. Amazon does not consider the last four digits of your social to be personal information. Because, hey, look, the first five are hidden. So they don't care about the last four. Apple, on the other hand, considers the last four of your social to be considered a proof positive ID to reset your password. (laughs) So people were able to, people or persons were able to get in get his last four from Amazon just because Amazon doesn't protect it use that last four to get his password into Apple reset his Apple's uh, email address use that to get into I want to say his Google and from there found all of his other logins all of his other passwords defaced him on Twitter, online, then deleted his accounts, got into his eBay messed up a whole bunch of stuff and it's because all these different cloud services don't have a unified security structure and none of them really see what the problem was yeah that is an issue and that's an inherent issue with with any online service not just cloud storage but um, security isn't a standard and it's it's a shame that we haven't got to the point where it is a standard that's just that's just one of the issues we encounter going uh, on. Is, is that a big enough issue to keep people from going to cloud services? Because it, admittedly, it's a big one. Some people, everyone have different feelings about you know strangers looking at pictures of your kids. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's just you know it's your kid's first birthday, but once it's online, it's never going to be offline again. Right. No, it's it's private. Only you can see it. 
Unless, of course, it's not, you know. <laughs> Unless someone gets a hold of your password. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's bad news, you know. I mean, I I know people that, that like, on Facebook, some of my neighbors will refer to their kids just by their first initial. Because those who, those who know them, you know, they'll know who they Oh, well, they're talking about so-and-so. Yeah, I know someone but, that has uh, code names for their, their kids. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know I know someone that does that too. But then, all it takes they screw up one time and they put the kid's first uh, first name down. You know the kid's name all of a sudden. You know if if you're snooping around where you ought not to be, you you just learned a lot of information by somebody slipping up one time, and that's really all that it takes is one slip up. Mm-hmm. And we, which we do a lot here, which is why I often eat out our names. Uh, we want to hear what everyone else thinks about this. I mean, is it are the security risks, are the inherent dangers, and in a way, the giant pain in the butt it is, worth it to move to the cloud? Is the cloud truly the future, or is there something else that we're going to do better? Feedback at StolenDroids.com. And I want to clarify with everyone, feedback at StolenDroids.com is an email address. We don't get very many emails. Instead, everyone keeps clicking the feedback link at StolenDroids.com. Uh-huh. I'm giving everyone an address, not instructions. Well, we, we, have a, we have a voicemail box, too, don't we? We do, but of course I don't remember what it is at the moment. <laughs> so it's, it's something, something, something geek. That's all I remember. Yeah, I, I fail at that. I'll, I'll put it up there. Uh, on to our favorites this week. Um, mine is the Curiosity Rover. And Dancing Batman. Um, someone has done a, uh, a parody of Call Me Maybe, which, of course, there's millions of them on the web, and I absolutely despise that song, except for this one actually uh, is done very well. It's about The Dark Knight Rises, and for quite a few moments there at the beginning, I really did think Joseph Gordon-Levitt was singing this song. It was a dead ringer, and I'm sitting there going, how did they match his his lips to this so well? Oh, wait a minute, that isn't him. It's hilarious, especially if you watch it to the end, so go ahead and give it a check and my favorite this week is well just to echo Zook's favorite that was awesome by the way um, <laughs> my favorite this week is the Mars Lander versus George Lucas or actual, <laughs> actually it's just uh, it's a documentary that came out in, in 2010 where the Mars rover drives over George Lucas's head repeatedly while fans smack him in the back of the neck with the skinny end of a fishing rod. Um, or it could just be the 2010 documentary, uh, The People vs. George Lucas, which discusses how the fans of Star Wars and other George Lucas involved properties uh, such as Indiana Jones have become very disenchanted with him and his um, tweaking and messing with the beloved movies of our childhood. Uh, it's very, very interesting movie. Uh, it, like I said, it came out in 2010, uh, but it is probably more true now than it was then. So take take an hour and a half and get it on Netflix, it's streaming, or or pick it up at Redbox or Blockbuster or wherever you get your movie fix from. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my favorite this week is also Curiosity Lander. Um, I really enjoyed watching that, it, even though I missed the first half of it. Anyway, um, also the, uh, the, the photos from Mars Lander... Uh, they they have them on NASA's website. All the uh, panoramic fi- uh, photos that it has taken, and they even have overhead pictures um, of the uh, MRO that has been orbiting Mars. Just uh, a cool collection of images for the uh, the landing. So check it out. And my personal favorite for the week has to be the Twitter feed for the sarcastic rover. Uh, unfortunately for myself and my self-esteem, I've become a fan of Twitter in the last few months. And uh, someone has set up a feed as if it were the, the Mars rover replying with not exactly the most scientific uh, tweets. For example, a tweet from yesterday, just ordered a pizza. This ought to be interesting. <laughs> so I think it's trying to figure out if Domino's actually is going to stick by that 30 minutes for free guarantee. <laughs> nice. 
Very cool. Okay, um, again, feedback at StolenDroids.com. Our phone number is 801-917-GEEK. See, I can find these things out while everyone else is talking. Again, special thanks to our sponsors, TrekRadio.net, KryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitcher.com. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. Mala. Take no check. Take no check.